This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. with you. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Come, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. How can this be, since I've been with no man? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power from the Most High will overshadow you. And the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Son of God. Mary, even your cousin Elizabeth, has conceived a son in her old age. For nothing said by God can be impossible. Let it be done to me, according to your word. Merry Christmas. It's good to see you guys. Thank you, Flynn. I heard that. That's nice. Flynn said you too, which I really appreciate. Uh, The few, the proud, the front row sitters. Good for you. Um, It is, it's Christmas time. It's the 7th and it is well on its way. It was 35 degrees when I took my chihuahua out to the bathroom and uh, we were both very cold. So I love Christmas. I love Christmas so much that last Sunday, my wife Maria and I went out and bought our first Christmas tree as a married couple. It's our third Christmas, but we've been traveling on Christmases before, and so we never got one. We got this beautiful seven-foot tree. It's, it's really nice. It um, takes up about half the living room in our apartment. Uh, we decorated it, and that night, once we put Madeline to bed, we, uh, we just sat. We turned off all the lights, and we looked at it, and it was a, we had a moment. You know, all those moments that you just kind of share, and then we were exhausted, and we went to bed. Um, well, fast forward a week. We got a call on Friday from some friends who asked us to come visit Friday night and Saturday in Sacramento. So uh, we rushed to get ready, and as we were going out the door, Maria said, make sure you turn off the heater. And so I ran over, and we have a thermostat that slides, so I slid the heater off, and I ran out the door, and we left for Sacramento. And the next morning, we got a call from our neighbors that the fire alarm in the apartment was going off, in in the apartment complex, the fourplex. And I thought to myself, man, some poor sucker is having their house burned down. I know it. Um, 
And so we asked our friend to go over and check our house to make sure everything was okay. And she walked in. She said uh, the heat bowled her over. She just started sweating immediately. Apparently, I had turned the thermostat up to about 100 rather than down to zero. And it had just been baking and baking all night long. And finally, when the, the ceiling temperature had 130 degrees, it alerted the fire department to come. And so a fire truck came over. Um, our landlord came over. It was quite the morning. We were still in Sacramento when all this is happening. And I'm just thinking, uh, what about our tree? You know, this is my, my worry. Because we had this beautiful Christmas tree. We had this special moment. Uh, and we got home. And everything's okay. Our candles uh, are, are at an angle now, um, stuck together. Uh, and our Christmas tree is still beautiful, uh, except for the top foot is completely brown now. So we've got this beautiful tree, and then the top foot has lost most of its needles, and it's completely brown. Uh, I'll keep you updated as time goes on as to the, uh, the story as it unfolds in our Christmas tree saga. But thankfully, there's more to Christmas than a Christmas tree. Uh, I, I love our tree, but I'm uh, thankful that there's more. I love Christmas. It's my favorite time of the year. I wish we could skip Thanksgiving and move straight into Christmas and have Christmas turkey, uh, because I love turkey as well. Um, But Christmas is, it's wonderful. It's this time of hope. It's this time where we trust that God is moving powerfully in the world, and that God is with us. Uh, The Bible says that at Jesus' birth, some angels came, and they began to glorify God. And they said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace with men among whom God's favor rests. And that word peace means like an ending to strife or an ending to pain, an ending to struggle. It was both this personal uh, pain that we felt inside as well as this corporate communal pain that we saw in the world. And, and, and so these angels say that the story of Christmas begins by glorifying God, that Jesus' birth began with the glory of God. And through that, we saw peace towards humanity, goodwill towards men. And one of the things that I love about Christmas is that uh, it isn't just this thing that happened. It's this thing that happens. Even from the beginning, God was inviting people into the story. We're in this series called Christmas Along the Way, and it's all about God inviting people into the story in every moment. I'm getting ahead of myself when I get into Jesus' birth, because today we're talking about Mary. What was Mary's role in the Christmas story? Who was this person that we read about? Um, she's kind of shrouded in some mystery. And what did God call her to? God called her to, to bring glory to God and peace to men. So how did that look? How does that translate into our lives? What does it mean for us to be people of purpose, people of passion, people who engage with God in his mission, both in this church as well as in the world? That's the story we're going to talk about today when we look at Mary. So I figure, uh, as much as I love the movie, I think— um, I like the book a little better. I don't know about you guys. Um, That's a little Bible joke. We pastors do those from time to time. Um, So I wanted to read the story. I wanted you guys to be able to hear the story read to you as well as seeing it in the visual. It starts off like this in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Oh, if you haven't pulled out these notes, you can look at them. I've got the scripture on them, a couple little uh, musings from me. Uh, Feel free to use it if you want to. Feel free to make your own notes. It's up to you. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in the town of Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Last week we talked about Joseph. He was a carpenter. Uh, He was just trying to live life. He knew God, and he was trying to walk in that. 
and God encountered him in the midst of the story. And we learn a little bit more about him. He's a descendant of David. David was, according to the Jewish people, the greatest king that ever lived. And so Joseph not only is a carpenter living his life, but he's in the line of the great king David, in the line of the kings. And we'll get back into it. The virgin's name was Mary. And in verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So we start the story with this woman, this girl, Mary. Um, And I say girl because uh, many theologians think she was probably no more than about 14 years old, maybe even as young as 12 years old. How many of you have a 12-year-old girl in the house right now? Anybody with 12-year-olds? One, one person, two, awesome. For the rest of us, uh, don't worry. I took the opportunity of finding a picture of my wife when she was 12, and I'm going to throw it up on the screen so you can see what a 12-year-old girl looks like. Um, I know. It's, she's cute. She's holding a giant flower, too, which is exciting, or a weed of some sort. Um, so that's Maria, my wife, when she was 12. And I just want you to keep that picture or some picture of your 12-year-old in your head because we're talking about a kid for all intents and purposes. All right, you can take that down. No, I've embarrassed her enough, probably. Thanks. Um, even in the, the movie we saw, the girl, I think, who plays Mary is somewhere between 15 and 17, which is, which is good, which is accurate, but maybe even a little bit younger. And, and that gives us hope, I think, in this story uh, that if a child can be used by God, we can be used by God. Most of us are over 12 years old at this point in our lives. Um, and God, I believe, wants to use that. She's also uh, this Jewish woman, and being a Jewish woman influenced everything in Mary's life especially uh, her relation to marriage and sex and all things in that realm. And so we have to remember that as we're talking about Mary. And this angel comes to her, and she is uh, she's scared. Because angels in the Old Testament were, were um, people who brought a word from God. They had these divine visits with people throughout the Bible. And when they came, they brought messages from God. So when you see an angel, you know that something big is going to happen. So this kid, this girl, is uh, approached by an angel, and the first thing he says is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because you found favor with God. We're going to talk today about mission, about purpose, about passion, but we need to start in the beginning because unless we're continually focused back on that reality that we have found favor with God, that God has chosen us, then we can't live the life that God has called us into. Unless we remember that Christmas is at its core about God choosing humanity. That we didn't do anything, but God drew us back to himself. Then the rest of this stuff won't make any difference. We can't do it unless we encounter that. So he says, don't be afraid. You have found favor with with God. Excuse me. That's a powerful message for this girl to hear. And then he goes on uh, in verse 31 says, you're going to be with child. You're going to give birth to a son. You are to give your son the name Jesus, and he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Again, that reference back to King David, the greatest king that ever lived. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. That's another Old Testament reference. And his kingdom will never end. Verse 30, 34. 
How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One that will be born to you will be called the Son of God. This is amazing. This is a a little girl. This is a nobody. This is a a preteen or an early teenager. And and while most preteens are trying to get through sixth grade, maybe not for Mary's age, but at least for us, Mary gets this strong word. You are going to get pregnant. You're going to have a son, and he will rule in the kingdoms like King David of old. His, his reign will have no end. He will rule forever. He will be called the Son of God. Uh, in the book of 2 Samuel, um, we're told that in the line of David, a Savior is going to be born. And so it's this, uh, this prophecy coming to fulfillment that a Savior is going to come. And it's a heavy load for Mary. It comes upon her. And I think uh, in her response, she says, well, that sounds great. That's really exciting. I'm glad that there's going to be a king. I'm glad there's going to be a savior. I'm glad God is doing all of these things through the Christmas story. But, but how can this be? Because I'm a virgin. It's almost as if she's, she's saying this sounds good in theory, that God wants to do this, but what part do I have to play? Why am I part of the Christmas story? I'm a nobody. I think in that moment she begins to count the cost because whenever we say yes to following God, there's a cost. That's just the reality of it. Uh, there's no such thing as a passive observant, uh, observer in the, the kingdom of God, in God's world. There are only active members. And so God says, come, you have been chosen. You have found favor with me. Now take steps with me. Walk with me. Count the cost of following me. I think sometimes we count the cost without even thinking about it, right? There's always a cost, and we always— count it. A couple of weeks ago, we had Operation Christmas Child going out there, and the cost was small, right? Go and um, fill a box with some toys, spend 20 bucks, give a Christmas present to a kid. And so maybe you didn't even think cognitively about that. You just went and got a box, and you went and filled it up. Or maybe you did, and you say, you know what, I don't have time to do that today. Either way, we were counting the cost, and that was a, a small cost, but sometimes the cost is big. A few years ago, a movie came out called End of the Spirit. Any of you see that movie when it came out? It was a pretty powerful movie about a number of missionary families who went to Ecuador. Um, one of the families was the Saint family. Uh, Nate Saint was the husband, Mar- uh, Marge Saint was the wife, and Steve Saint was the little boy in the family. And um, they were going to an uh, uh, indigenous tribe in Ecuador to share with them the good news of Jesus. But this tribe was known for its violence. It was known for killing outsiders. It was known for killing, actually, six in every ten people that died in this tribe were killed by homicide. They killed each other a lot. So these men go in, they fly in, and the people from the tribe come and they kill all of the men. At that point, uh, Marge, Saint, and a few other women are faced with a choice. Do they go home? Do they cut their losses? Do they grieve the loss of their husbands? Or do they step into what God has begun there? Well, she chose to go, Marge and her son, Steve, go back in and live with these people who had just killed her husband. She lived her life there. She cared for the people when they got sick. She ministered to them, and they experienced the gospel through her. Her husband, Steve, then grew up, and he got his education and went back, and he still lives in this community, ministers with this tribe who have uh, largely come to faith in Jesus. Two years ago, I was at Urbana, which is a, a missions conference, and I got off the elevator, and standing in front of me was this guy, Steve Saint. He was one of the speakers at the conference, and I was blown away. He was like, uh, kind of one of my heroes in the faith. 
But what struck me about Steve wasn't his larger-than-life persona. What struck me about Steve was that he was a regular guy. He was just an ordinary guy. He had glasses. He was short. He was skinny. Just average looking. I wouldn't have been able to pick him out of a crowd had I not seen him uh, after the movie. Sometimes God calls ordinary people to do extraordinary things for him. Sometimes the cost is great to do extraordinary things. But that's the invitation of Christmas. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among men with whom his favor rests. For Mary, the cost was clearly great. It could cost her her marriage. Her husband could leave her. It could cost her her standing in society. It could cost her her family, and family in this time was everything. It could cost her her life, potentially. We aren't told what Mary was thinking in that moment, in that split second, but I assume she's counting the cost when she says, how can this be? I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. And the angel's response here is, it's vague at best. Uh, We have hindsight. We can look at this and say, oh yeah, virginal birth, this is great. God kind of came and did his thing, and and it was really a, a beautiful picture. But for Mary, nothing like this had ever happened before. And to be honest, nothing like this has ever happened since then. We have this one moment in time where God does this one unique thing in the Christmas story. So she's just sitting here and she says, how can this be? And the angel says, well, the spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you, will overshadow you, and you'll get pregnant. Yes, and where are we going next? And then God will do what? We don't know. The angel stops there. And it's not so much a a sexual thing. The idea of God overshadowing his people is throughout the Old Testament. And when God overshadowed his people, he was protecting them. That's what it was saying. Whenever God would overshadow his people, it meant that he will come on you and he will protect you. And so the angel says, God's going to cause you to get pregnant and God will protect you. And that's it. Oftentimes, I think we find ourselves in the same place as Mary. God calls us to something really big. God says, take a step and do this with me. I will protect you. But he doesn't give us the rest of the, of the story, the rest of the journey. He just says, go, do, I'm with you. When we don't see the end of the story, though, I think we can trust that God will meet us in unexpected ways because that is the nature of God. God doesn't say to her how he's going to do it. He just says, I will meet you. You can trust that. You can trust me. So when God stirs in us um, passions, giftings, when God gives us a purpose, and we don't know the outcome, we don't know how God's going to do it, the question becomes, as we count the cost, can we trust that God will meet us, even in an unexpected way? Verse 38, Mary responds. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. We aren't told if she knows she's pregnant at that point. All we know is the angel left. She said, yes. Mary counted the cost, and she said, yes. When God calls us to extraordinary things, we need to decide, is the invitation worth the cost? It's not a question to enter into lightly. It's a big question. Is the invitation from God to do something extraordinary with our lives, to do something extraordinary as a community of faith, is it worth the cost? For Mary, the answer was yes. 
the invitation was absolutely worth the cost, and we celebrate that every year on Christmas Day. I've invited my friend Lynn to come up and share a little bit about her journey and where God's been leading her over the last number of years because when I think about ordinary people who God uses to do extraordinary things, Lynn comes to my mind. And so why don't you guys uh, join me? Let's welcome Lynn up onto the stage. Good morning. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. I love, um, I love the title of this sermon, Purpose Along the Way. I'm, I think about a book, The Purpose Driven Life, one of the books that has sold more books you know, than any others. And I really do believe that all of us are looking for a purpose. And I do believe that it comes in places that you don't necessarily think it's going to come. Um, when I was 17, my mom died, and I was pretty beaten up and battered for a, for a while. And I, um, when I was 19, I joined a, a missions trip to the Dominican Republic with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And I remember one day sitting in the park in Santo Domingo, the capital of the Dominican Republic, with a man named Ed Brainerd. And he just asked a simple question. He pointed out all the people that were maimed and disfigured around the park, and he asked me if I knew why they were that way. I made an assumption and said that I thought that they were born that way. And he said, no, Lynn, they, they were actually deliberately maimed and deformed as babies so that when they would beg, their parents would get more money from the tourists. Part of me couldn't understand that, and part of me understood it completely, the desperation of people who are poor. A few weeks ago, Ron asked us the question, how many of you think you're rich? And I looked around, and only a few people rose, raised their hands. And then he went on and he asked, if, if you were given the opportunity to be in the top 1% of wealth in the world, would you choose that? And of course, most people chose that. And yet that is our reality. We already do live in the 1% of the wealthiest people in the world. Well, as Ed said that, I, I felt this immediately, immediate calling to the Dominican Republic. And as a 19-year-old, not knowing what I was doing, I committed my life to those people. Came back from the missions trip, finished college, applied for the Peace Corps, went through a year-long process, and was thrilled to get a nomination to serve. But my nomination was for Africa, and I was really frustrated because I felt God specifically calling me to the Dominican Republic. And I toyed with saying no for a long time and couldn't make up my mind. And after about a month, my recruiter said, Lynn, I need an answer. That night, I, as I slept, I had a dream. And in this dream, about 100 African children were calling, Lynn, Lynn, come. Come to Africa. We need you here. We need you here. And I woke up the next morning, and I called my recruiter, and I said, you know, I'll, I'll go to Africa. And he said, but I thought you really wanted to go to the Dominican Republic. And I said, well, I, I do, but I realize that kids anywhere could use my help, and I'm willing to go to Africa. Well, with a chuckle, he said to me, well, we actually have a, a position for a health educator in the Dominican Republic, but I wasn't sure if your motives were pure, and now I know that they are. You can go to the Dominican Republic. I knew right then that something great was going to happen, and I was excited. And I got there, and I was one of 32 people in a training group doing language and classes and learning about the politics and the history of the Dominican Republic. 
And about a month in, I was asked to come back. My language teachers didn't think I had the ability to learn Spanish. And two out of 32 of us were asked to return to the United States. The other girl came back, and I begged and pleaded with Peace Corps. I was clearly sure that I was supposed to be there. They let me stay. And I was sent to, to live and work for almost three years in a mountainous village on the border of Haiti, about 130 people, no running water, no indoor plumbing. It was the first time in my life I'd ever been hungry. I'd never experienced hunger before. I learned the language quickly. There was no, the nearest American was about a two and a half hour walk from where I lived, so I had no choice but to learn Spanish. I think about my time there. I remember when I was saying goodbye to the Peace Corps director, he told me that in his 27 years of service that I was the best volunteer he had ever had. And I thought about language school and how I didn't think I was going to be able to do it, that I was being asked to go home. I came back and got my master's in public health and started teaching at Costa Grande High School. My first semester, I had a slideshow of my slides from the Dominican Republic, and one of my students at the time, Mark Sedlander, said to me, well, Miss Mochetti, why don't you take us to the Dominican Republic? And I thought then, you know, I'm so glad he said that because I would not have been smart enough to have that idea. And out of those simple words from Mark, a nonprofit was born called Building Homes, Building Hope. We've been taking people. We started out just kids from CASA, and now we're a national organization taking churches and and groups throughout the United States to the Dominican Republic to build houses and latrines and work in schools and to do vacation Bible studies. And, you know, it wasn't what I expected, and I was just an ordinary 19-year-old, didn't really know what I was getting into, but I knew that I wanted to have a life that was filled with purpose. I don't know if any of you got a chance to watch the CNN Heroes Awards um, a couple weeks ago. My favorite one of the awards was a lady who loved to run. She just loved to run, and every day she would run by a homeless shelter. And one day she realized that she should stop at the homeless shelter. And she did. And she started an organization called Back on My Feet. And she takes these homeless people, and she teaches them how to run and discipline. And she's gotten other people to mentor them and to come in and to join in that organization that has done amazing work in Philadelphia. And I loved hers because all she did was take what she already loved to do and make something great of it. And I really believe that that's what God wants from each of us, that he isn't saying, I want you to be extraordinary first, but he wants to take us as ordinary people and do um, great things with our lives. And, And I mean it with all my heart and pray that each of you will find something that you can be passionate about because it's through that that I believe that God uses really ordinary people to do great things for him. Thanks. Thanks, Sam. I'm encouraged by Lynn's story because it's a story uh, that could be many of us. A teacher who had an experience early in life, and God began to form that. And then she used her unique gifts and abilities to lead out uniquely in what God was doing. I'm not saying that God is calling each of us to do the exact same thing, 
But I think what God, is, what God will do is God will take our experiences, God will take the new things that we try, God will take our passions and our giftings, and through that, God will begin to form uniquely what that looks like for us. For Lynn, it looks like serving in the Dominican Republic in the summer is starting a nonprofit. For, uh, for my mom, it looks like um, she's a nurse, so she serves when she's not at the school, um, helping deliver babies and holding babies who are born drug addicted, uh, loving them, caring for them, um, letting them cry in her ear, which I know is a sacrifice since I've got a two-month-old. Um, it could look different for you. It will look different for each of us. The question is, will we say yes? Um, I love it. Once Mary says yes, then she uh, kind of sings this poetic song. Uh, and that's what we're going to close with today. I've asked Heather, the worship leader, to come up and read that for us because I think it's a little more powerful uh, with a female voice. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. I love two parts of this song. Once Mary chooses to say yes to God, yes to being part of the story that he is forming through Christmas, uh, she has kind of a paradigm shift. She doesn't get stuck in counting the cost. What is this going to cost me? What is this going to do? In her song, she immediately goes to praising God. Thank you, God, that you have considered me worthy to serve. Thank you, God, that you have considered me worthy to come and help, that you've picked me a, a nobody, a preteen from a nowhere village to be the mother of the person that will restore all things back to their beginning. She begins by praising God. And then she goes on to remember the extraordinary things that God has done. She talks about how God has cared for the poor throughout history, how God has um, scattered the proud and he has brought up those who are hurting, how God has been faithful, and she uses from Abraham, which is where God started this relationship with his people, on through history. Saying yes to extraordinary things in our lives isn't going to be easy. When we feel overwhelmed and underqualified, I think we can do like Mary. We can remember back to the places where God has been faithful in the past. Because the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when we get stuck in that place of not knowing if God, how God is going to meet us, we can praise God for what he's already done. And we can stand on the truth that just like God has met people throughout history, God will meet us. If it's truly God that's calling us to do things uh, that would be extraordinary, then God will meet us in those places. Like I said earlier, I love Christmas because the Christmas season reminds me that God is moving in the world. It reminds me that God is doing extraordinary things, powerful things. Each of your lives is a testimony to the things that God is doing. My life is a testimony to the things that God is doing. And the story of Mary reminds me that God wants to do extraordinary things through ordinary people that God wants to take each of us with our gifts, with our passions, with our abilities. He wants to form them. He wants to change the world. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, um, is what is God doing? 
God, how can I move with you um, in the world? What are you inviting me into? Um, God, what is my place? We can go on to the next slide. Like I said, I don't know what your place is going to be. I don't know what God is calling you to do, but I encourage you, take some time to think about your passions, your giftings, your abilities. Take some time to remember back the time when God called you, when God said, I have found favor with you. Now walk with me. Ask some friends, what do they see God doing in your life? How do they see God using you, and how can you walk forward in that? Maybe it's something in the church. That could be. Maybe it's something in the community. Maybe it's something in the world. Maybe it's using um, your educational giftings, using your profession to further what God is doing. I don't know what God wants to do in each of you, but I trust that God wants to do something. I'm thankful for Christmas, even if I have a brown Christmas tree. Because it seems like God is moving powerfully. And I want to walk with him in that. I want each of us to walk with him in that because it's not only good for the world, but it's good for us. It will give us purpose. It will give us passion. It will give us meaning. We are the ordinary people that God is calling to do extraordinary things. Let me pray for us. God, we're thankful for Christmas and the gift that it is to us. We're thankful that as we walk in this season, we're reminded that you are moving powerfully in the world. And God, we are thankful that Mary's story reminds us that you are calling us to walk with you powerfully in the world. Would you be showing us what it means to have lives um, that are beyond ourselves, lives of purpose, lives of passion, lives that are extraordinary? And would you give us strength to actually walk out and do those things, to live those lives that you've invited us into. We pray these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.